1: Bonjour et bienvenue dans le Revue Brut. Je suis Adam Wilborn de What Culture, rejoint par les Boys de What Culture pour revoir l'épisode de Roar ce soir, Monday Night Raw. Wow. Before we go any further, though, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make oh, sure wow. you subscribe to oh, I can't do all this bit. <laughs> subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for Daily Wrestling Podcasts, where we not only review Raw but also SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody really good quiz, of course, on wrestling culture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick. I did say that, promise you. Uh, to review last night's Raw, we should probably explain why I did that in French. And also, shout out to Gareth Jones, who told me that I had to do this.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, um, you know, we're like, we whenever we can to alienate international listeners yep. with various impressions and things like that i explained yesterday how my french teacher enough times past now that i don't even get in trouble and i haven't named him uh was uh, li- loosely knew the moderators of the french gcse and i got an a because he didn't teach us french he taught us how to say certain sentences that the markers would really like so i know exact phrases power of fashion but i can't speak french right. <laughs> that?" means. To do anything else you must be mad <laughs> i can't like go over there like to paris and say that but like yeah and we were referencing that as it relates to obviously them being in montreal for the weekend and still being in Ottawa. uh and at least one french-speaking listener got in touch to say that he felt um personally attacked
1: i'm uh, sorry if i yeah uh, butchered that by the way I, i'll be honest i didn't uh spend a lot of time on this i just went english to french online <laughs> so if they you know sometimes when you ever have that where a mate of yours was just like, yeah, I just wrote my entire essay that I was meant to write in uh, English and then just put it through in English to French? And they're like, yeah, that's not necessarily <laughs> how this works. My
3: big GCSE French story was that I had my French book open just at a certain page, a random page, in the first day of French in year 10. My French teacher, Ms. Duban, asked, does anyone know what Miss the... is The bath f- <laughs> she, was, uh, she was very clean Miss Duban asked What the French word for pleasant was And it just so happened To be on the page So I looked up Thinking I was very suave I just went agréable And she went Oh très bien You're going to get me an A star I thought I'm a teacher's pet What am I going to get an A star She just told us And then I was a lazy, inveterate lazy bastard Mm. in my teenage years. And uh, I dropped such a bollock during the oral exam that I was asked, what do you have for breakfast? What do you have for lunch? What do you have for dinner? And because it's steak in both languages, (laughs) I basically positioned myself as Vince McMahon. (laughs) uh, uh, What's I eat? Uh, Je mange. Je mange steak and fruit. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a dinner, Michael? That's a weird breakfast. I don't know any of the foods because I didn't do my bloody revision, did I, Miss Duban?
2: I could make steak and chips for three meals a day at work. Yeah. I think I could get there. Can you make a steak, actually? Not well. I can, but I can, <laughs> but not well. Not I'm well.
3: so, oh, uneven? I thought you were going to go like, I'm so good at steak. I used to be. I used to be, and then I've dropped bollocks on steaks, like, I've... I just can't get it right. You know what it is? Mm-hmm. I've got an inherent lack of trust. I don't trust people. I don't trust processes. <laughs> I just have anxiety. I think everything's going to get wrong. I don't trust a steak to rest. Mm. Okay? I just don't think it's going to rest. It's going to. Yeah. Everyone who's more qualified and better than me, a cooking tells me, yeah. does it not get cold? Yeah. You rested for that long, it's going to get bloody cold. So let's uh, overcook it.
2: I don't get it. I don't like buy it very often. Out either, so I don't have a lot of good. Steak I in trust my life other people like, to steak. I trust them, but mm. I just it's too, too pricey. Isn't it? Yeah, too
1: pricey. Mm. Yeah, you don't want to get it wrong and leave it raw. Speaking of which, what do you make of last night's show, <laughs> Michael Hamblett? Uh, it would just be overdone if you left it too long. And <laughs> oh, no, I, I couldn't work out what I was doing there. I'll be honest. I spent all my time on this That's French a, stuff, and i like, have like, been in the horny comment section of YouTube. We'll get to that later.
2: Uh, yeah, we sure will. Très bien. yeah. I really enjoyed this raw. Um, it's it, it felt enough like Road to WrestleMania in the same way a lot of the stuff coming out of Elimination Chamber did. I've really enjoyed this run, pretty much from the Royal Rumble. I've enjoyed being able to, quite simplistically, if we're being honest, like put this WrestleMania card together and see the pieces coming together and see these angles. This was very I, I, this like did not change the world of the wrestling. Show I didn't find this a terribly creative. But I like the overall creative direction mm. of WWE at the moment. So I liked seeing those things come to fruition. I know that sounds like faint praise, but I, I enjoyed it. I genuinely, yeah. I'm i enjoying the direction of almost everything to the point where like I'm just liking watching these developments take place. I can't tell yet,
3: and we're going to get into it, whether the opening segment was bittersweet for me. And... I have absolutely no idea what's going on with Brock Lesnar. Oh God! Oh, yeah, we'll yeah. What that. is going on? What is going on? Has WWE ever been sponsored? Is it is Monster Energy Drink a thing in America? Yeah, they, I they've
2: think got so. the C4 though. That was what Roman was necking yeah, for Roma the main was, event. Like, there was like six cans of it behind him. Right? If there's some
3: kind of corporate synergy branding opportunity with like the Monster Energy Drink, mm. then I can understand why they are in the storylines tying a moss. Lashley, Lesnar, and Wyatt together because they could do the monster mash presented by Monster Energy Drink yeah. and do a four-way with all the scary big monsters and, yeah. you know, and Bray Wyatt. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on there. I feel like a bollocks been dropped, but I cannot see the pod yet.
2: The Wyatt Six versus the Hurt Business and Brock Lesnar.
3: That's you. <laughs> I love how let's go with that. Let's have a look at that. Very confusing and not in a good way. The rest of it was I would describe as perfunctory where... It's that old Vince thing. And funnily enough, Triple H learned from Vince mm. where they know the matches. They were not really advanced in any meaningful or creative way, as Hamlet points out. I'll tell you one thing, though. Edge mm. made me feel like Michael Hamlet, okay, mm-hmm. in the main event. And I will elaborate when the time comes. I hope for that.
1: I learned it from watching. I mean, this I'm worried for
2: you because a lot of the time I don't, I don't like feeling like Michael Hamlet. So I hope you're okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm I was, I was a happy Hamlet.
1: Yeah, I, I had a great time watching this show. Um, I thought, well, well, we'll get into it with the opening segment in, in due course, but I thought the Route vers la WrestleMania... Road two. I knew that. It's, uh, yeah, going going very well. And, uh, yeah, there was some pleasant surprises in Aggiable. stuff. <laughs> pleasant, su- pleasant surprises in stuff Sur- that, that, like you say, was necessary as we, yeah, head towards... That's um <laughs> Yeah, we killed it. He killed it. i switched off. Au revoir. <laughs> uh, right, the show opens with a big recap, obviously, did that happened an Elimination Chamber, and Sami Zayn's music hits, because they were in Ottawa, of course. Um, and the crowd sing his song, gave him a huge ovation. I like the fact that initially, because there was a bit of me going, if you can say, welcome to Monday Night Raw, <laughs> this is dead. Uh, but it, the fact that all he could get out for about the first couple of minutes was just, wow, really, really hit me. Um, he talked about the, the feeling that's been the most prevalent as the gratitude uh, and about the fans having no idea how much this reaction means to him. He gets the You Deserve It chant, soaks it all in. Um, he says he came so close to putting a, a bow on a storybook ending in front of his friends and his family, but he feels a lot of guilt that he let people down. Um but he said the story isn't over. We're just entering the final chapter. But the final chapter isn't just about me. Kevin Owens, please come out here. And out he comes. Um, and there's there's such tension in the ring between these two men. And the you know the commentary are putting over their history, of course. Zayn said, "I wanted to say thank you and sorry, but I know we're kind of beyond the point of words. Um, I know how much they put you through, and also know how much you want to take down." the bloodline, um, and I will stop at nothing, Zayn says, to make sure Roman Reigns and the bloodline comes crumbling down. He says, look, you couldn't do it alone. I couldn't do it alone. The only way we can get this done is if we did it together. Huge yes chance from the crowd, of course. But Owen says, I don't want an apology. Uh, I don't want your gratitude. I didn't attack the bloodline on on Saturday for Zayn. I did it for me. I did it for for family. Um says my family was out there in the front row, just as yours were. Um, but they weren't there at the, Ro- the Royal Rumble when I got the, the hell beaten out of me by the bloodline, and you just stood by and watched. Uh, I also did it for your family, Sammy, so they didn't have to watch you get beaten down too. I've been fighting the bloodline alone for months, and I will continue alone. But hey, if you want any help against the bloodline, maybe just ask your buddy Jay. Owens walks off and the crowd boo. They don't really know how to feel about all this. I like the fact that uh, this wasn't just, well, let's forget everything that's happened and uh, team up because it's almost WrestleMania.
2: Yeah. I mean, I loved this opening segment. Uh, Of course I did. Like, WWE, welcome to it after copying all my tweets in the weekend. (laughs) However, my tweets were because I inferred that this was where the story was going. Mm. We were laboring on the point before might have been before the Rumble, but certainly before Elimination Chamber, that Sami Zayn was never a fluke. Sami Zayn was a booked opponent for a time of year at which they'd isolated Montreal as the perfect point to reach this stage of the story, which suggests lots of planning and lots of booking. That's the reason why the Royal Rumble is so effective, because only good booking and only good long-term storytelling gets you moments like that. I'm still invested, and I there's a lot going on here and there, in the, the debate about this. The debate which I like when it's earnest rather than a bit cheap and a bit needly. There are people that love Sammy Dane and wanted him to win the world title, and I have no problem with those people. And I kind of love Cody Rhodes as the guy to end this Roman Reigns tyranny. So that's just Mm. disagreeing on who you wanted to win the belt, ultimately. But there was, I personally felt quite a lot of bad faith discussion about WWE, whether it was calling an audible or going with Sammy or however you wanted to phrase it, after years and years and years of Vince McMahon not telling long-term stories and tearing up the plans. Mm. And you know, like and I understand that there's like there's differences and sometimes you've got to go with the hot hand and all that kind of thing. But there were so many times where plans just changed. And to me, this was a very obvious case of plans staying as they are because the big plan is just fine actually. And I feel like that was I was vindicated with that later on in the show when Cody came out. Yeah. But but especially here, I loved I loved the detail of Kevin. I wish I'd predicted it. I wish I'd predicted that Kevin Owens would only come out after the match rather than in it because that made loads of sense the second you gave it a second of thought. Why would he come out there when like, it wasn't just... Sammy didn't save him from the beginning. He beat the dog out of him in war games and left him for dead on more than one occasion. It took a lot for him to have the bravery and the courage to stand up. It wasn't just a thing he did straight away. After Kevin Owens had said on camera, we're done now. It took Kevin Owens a lot to make the save because he's going back on his own word as a babyface to make the save. Genuinely love the details because I've paid attention and been encouraged to pay attention for all of these details. And I've always been one that believes that the Usos tag belts can absolutely be promoted as the prize. I think that's another, again, good faith discussion about people that are, like love Sami Zayn and love Sami Zayn's journey over the past eight months that don't really feel like the tag belts are the prize enough. I do, but I do get... That complaint, I understand it, But this story, to me, feels like it's what's going to elevate the tag belt. Sidgwick, on more than one occasion, has used the Revolution tag match as what the potential of this Usos match is to be. It's not going to be as good. It's not going to be as good. But that felt world title quality because the story was Mm. great. And I believe this too will feel world title quality, aided by the fact that I believe it will be the night one main event a, a tag-team title match in the main event of WrestleMania, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in the main event of WrestleMania together. Like, they're going to work you up to that hug, to that moment. The comparison I would give, and I loved it at the time, I think we probably just started, like, doing the podcast, they put actual work into Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins making amends, and remember that reaction when they finally, it wasn't just our we're friends now because we both happen to be baby faces, they didn't trust each other. Seth had to earn Ambrose's trust back, and when The Shield finally came together, it was huge. They're working that pop and the bond that they are clearly now establishing is going to be stronger than Jimmy and Jay's because Jimmy and Jay are not 100% on the same page. These men that currently can barely be in the same ring as each other are going to be stronger than brothers. I love the story, and I feel like it doesn't even take that much explaining or defending. And I hope that people who... like it's one Again, just to go back. Sorry, Cedric, I'm rambling. No, I don't care. Just to go back. like The people that just wanted Sami Zayn to win because they love him. I'm, I'm not like calling for your heads, that hurts when your, your heroes mm. lost. But the people that dared to suggest over the weekend, and there were plenty of them, uh, bloody WWE have dropped the ball again. I, I just don't think they have. I don't think it was a fumble. They've stayed true to a course, and I think that course is plotting to peak at WrestleMania. Well, like, what are we doing here if you're not trying to peak your story at WrestleMania? So I just felt this was like an awesome development off a story that to me remains pretty awesome. I'm not comparing it to the peak of the Royal Rumble, because I don't think Elimination Chamber came off as well on the night, but I'm very, very content with the the, the, the path that they're all on.
3: I don't know what to make of literally any of this, mm. so I'm probably going to go on a long-winded, inconclusive rant. Mm. If you take anything away from what I'm going to say, this is the TLDR version, I'm going to let this play out, okay? I'm going to let it play out. Not that, enough
2: people are. Sorry, Sid. Yeah. I think that's the problem, isn't it? Like
3: My position originally was that, Cody is the face of WWE. He's got the best chance of being the over baby face. And I'm not emotionally invested. I know there's a lot of talk online over the weekend of who cares what the face of WWE looks like? Why do you want them to have a guy? Why do you care if the guy's good at PR? You should care more about who you're most emotionally invested in. And I get that, but I'm also incredibly realistic. Mm. So that's one of the reasons why I think Cody's the man. It's a similar thing to when Drew... Got the world title push in 2020. Cody's my guy. I think he's great. Drew never was, but it was more realistic for me to invest. If I'm going to take away anything from this in a professional capacity, it's that go with the more realistic choice <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because that's what the, that's the best way to get something out of WWE TV because I've not spoken about it, I'll speak about it here, I thought the way they executed whatever the finish was at Elimination Chamber was just really bad, really, really bad. I like how the match itself proved what bad faith balls often say in defiance of, like, I don't know, the elites or flips or whatever. The basics done right can still work and i think it's a huge credit to wwe and it's long-term booking and the characterizations of sammy and roman that they didn't do a lot they didn't have to do a lot they milked it Mm. they paced it immaculately it was genuinely nice to know that the basics can work as effectively as they did
2: good sequel to the dream match in that respect wasn't it
3: roman is brilliant he's just great he's just great he's an absolutely incredible big match worker um it's very cheesy wordplay, but he's truly a universal champion because <laughs> wrestling for so long, I've worried about its long-term health because how can you get people on the hook for the most basic black and white good versus evil stories? They've done it. That's a massive credit. Yeah. He didn't do anything other than pace the basics to perfection on the night. It became a cliche. The monologuing drove me insane. The ref bump, two ref bumps. It was always going to go this way, but the second that it doesn't feel like this beautiful, organic, basics dynamic and it just becomes a cliche and it becomes a checklist, it becomes how do you protect, it becomes Carney. I was just taken out of it and out of it with the second ref bump and the fact that Jimmy Uso should have caused a disqualification. It was all very convenient. And then Sammy, I understand from a character point of view, why this happened, but I wanted to see he made the mistake that he caused his own downfall. I compared it on Twitter to the Stephen Gerard slip. Oh. I would rather he was just completely and utterly f- out of it. I wanted that ring to have been pelted with garbage. I understand as well how they had to do that way to create the first bit of dissension again between him and. Jay. But watching that, I increasingly felt that it was kind of the wrong way to go, and I don't know if they've overcomplicated it. Um, and what annoyed me a little bit about the show opening promo, as majestic as Owens and Sami Zayn were in their performances, is that the what I perceive, and again, I'm going to let this play out, what I perceive to be the direction of the storyline, I think Sami Zayn's dialogue completely collided with it, He says, I want to take down the bloodline. I want to take down the bloodline. Kevin Owens saying, I want to take down the bloodline. What are you really doing in a tag team match with the Usos? Jamie Uso is part of the bloodline and he loves it. Jay Uso isn't. Roman Reigns, you know, you're not taking him down because Cody's going to do it. It just felt like they were reaching for stakes and I'm not sure the stakes are there anymore. I wasn't down on Elimination Chamber for the exact reasons everybody else was. I've maintained all along that Sami Zayn can be the doomed baby face. It's a character archetype yeah. where he can coexist harmoniously in the narrative that it doesn't detract from either guy and Cody Rhodes can be the guy. I completely underestimated just how over Sami Zayn is and the TV ratings bear out that he's ne- not necessarily perceived as this doomed underdog who gets his friendship and that's what matters most to him, I think the evidence is there that the guy's a star and maybe he's being underserved by all of this. And maybe Cody Rhodes feels a little bit like an interloper at this point and there wasn't a massive rush to get it onto him. And I feel like I might be wrong about my position on all of this, but we'll see
2: how it plays out. We will see. On that bloodline point, is that not... This is a lot of let play out stuff, but as we've said before, we speculate on a show that is every single week and then we don't know necessarily all the details of it. Was that not about... Sammy at this point knows what we can all see, which is that Roman is nothing without the Usos. So the only way to bring down the bloodline is to bring down Roman and the only way to bring down Roman is to beat the Usos and take those tag belts off them. Because once the Usos have been neutralised and made to look weak, then Roman goes into WrestleMania weaker than ever, and Sammy has had that interaction with Cody Rhodes, and he's seen in Cody's eyes, as he did last week on Raw, Cody can beat Roman Reigns, and we can... He didn't need to verbalise this bit of it, but Cody can beat Roman Reigns, and we can aid that by beating the Usos together.
3: I, yeah, it feels a bit support and cast, considering how over Sammy is. I honestly did not grasp just how over he is. Mm. It increasingly feels a little bit like a missed opportunity.
1: I, I, I completely agree. I think we're going to have to let it play out. I'm going to let it play out. I'm absolutely going to let it play out. I made a very good point. Uh, again, I'm sort of informed by the years of being a WWE fan that I had that fear of Sammy saying, welcome to Monday Night Raw. Well, didn't get the job done, but uh, those tag titles look pretty sweet. Kevin Owens, oh, you're a good lad, you are. Anyway, let's have a hug and we're in Canada so we might as well do it now and then the years of that being like, you talk, made a really good point on Twitter about the fact that people's brains have been broken by WWE's booking for so long that when they, you don't get that, you're like, what's going on here?
3: One thing I'll add on the discourse rather than the actual story that's being presented to us is I think Hamlet made a great point about why Kevin Owens didn't interfere in the match. Mm. And I knew why he didn't interfere in the match because I shared those opinions. I think a lot of people have hopped on and just watch the PLAs, and they haven't really watched the TV, and they don't know enough about the story mm-hmm. to determine why it's gone this way, and they're kind of showing their arse a little yeah. bit, especially with the Owens thing. Like, if you've paid attention, it's not the hardest thing in the world. to grasp. <laughs> you can understand why, you can just grasp why Kevin Owens waited until he did to come out. Ultimately, I'm going to let it play out But it does feel like an opportunity has been missed. And instead of a really, really good story that Cody kind of wins in the end, they could have just told a different story with Cody about six months later and served this one. I don't know. We'll we'll let it play out. But I just think that a lot of people as well, and this is rich coming from me, I honestly wasn't doing cartwheels that they were perceived to have messed it up. And I can say, oh, guess what? Omega Page better, paid off better, (laughs) MGF Punk better. I've been annoyed by the critical acclaim that the story's got. I wasn't desperate to bury it. Mm. I was genuinely
1: a little bit dismayed by how it played out in the end, which means that I was invested. Exactly. Um, I did like what came immediately after this. So I was, uh, running through the card for the night, and Zane's saying goodbye to everyone. And he's jumped by Baron Corbin of all people. This was a bit uh if there's if I'm conflicted,
3: this was very much evidence that will. Maybe they realize they have messed this up because if they were self-aware, they would realize that pairing Sammy with Corbin was such a terrible look, such a make good. This was his version of doing karaoke in Cardiff. (laughs) Genuinely, (laughs) it was. Let's get the most reviled heel amongst the smarks to go out and just
1: shine Sammy up real nice. (laughs) I think the optics of this was pretty poor. I quite liked it because I was like, we need to give something, Sam, you know, something. Please give the Canadians something to cheer for because they're not getting in the main event either. Yeah. This
2: is monkey's paw stuff, though, if I'm being honest. I thought Corbin came across as like the perfect opportunistic, desperate arsehole. Because like, we were how, talking
1: about how, say, you save him on the preview yesterday.
2: Yeah, I kind of thought this was a. You don't save Corbin, though. It's no, not I, a, I'd no, cry. no. I uh, take your point, actually, now you said it about the optics, but I thought this was like very in character. Like, Corbin, absolute bones of his... Like, desperate, basically. Last after a desperate man stuff. And super cartoon villainous at that. It reminded me of the Ares attack. Yeah. The, ner- the nervousness around um, him beating Sammy w- was palpable, I thought, because he's just lost a Roman. He's carrying injuries. He takes off his shirt, and you see the scars of war. And then it's like, oh, I my... I never, ever thought he was... I knew exactly what this was. I I, I thought this was... A good use of the Corbin character, genuinely. Like it's, uh, I, I didn't, but I do take your point. I see how that could have been a bit like of a hair ruffler rather than something to kind of advance Corbin's own sort of decline. There's always about four declines happening in the way Triple H books. Yeah, you gotta have at least six people that are on a steep decline. Can't wait, can't wait to fix these people. I'm absolutely buried. He books like he wrestles.
1: Yeah. There's a hell of a hook across the break of like, that scumbag's just jumped Zane And they go to picture each picture. When they come back, Corbin's cutting a promo. Zane's being helped by officials talking about, he said Reigns was going to embarrass Zane in front of his friends and family. Um, called him a failure. He let down all of Canada. Uh, talked about, in fact, obviously, he was the last one to beat Roman Reigns. Um, and Pierce is like, yeah, you know what? He's a knobhead. Beat him up. I'll, I'll sanction this as a match. So Zayn Zane goes down and attacks Corbin. They make the match official, and then they go in, and like you say, Corbin goes, oh, that's a nice badly bruised bat you've got right there. Thanks for the, the target practice, basically. He targets that. We go through another break. Uh, Zayn fights back though Tornado DDT Flip dive Goes for the Halluva kick Corbin nails him With a clothesline though Hits deep six Gets a near fall Off the back of that Hits his running corner Clothesline Loads up to go for another And then out of nowhere Gets His head taken off By the Halluva kick One, two, three Sammy Zayn
2: Like a basic match Put in front of Obviously a super hot crowd That was buzzing to see Sammy in action Maybe they didn't expect To get him this is another one of them things where, I don't know, maybe like this will just be for the benefit of this angle or these top characters because you can't necessarily apply it everywhere on the show. But Corbin, like two weeks ago, mentioned for the first time, I think we raised it. It was like, is this the best time to mention that he was the last guy to beat Roman Reigns? And if you're willing to believe that, like, they are booking shows in advance and doing it the proper way rather than Vincent Mann Day Off, they've probably dropped that in two weeks ago for knowing that Sammy's going to come out and knowing that they're going to have Baron Corbin at this point in his trajectory... Oh, he's mentioned the Roman Reigns thing. That ties them two together for the benefit of this TV match that looks impromptu and looks set up. Like, I am willing to believe that that was a process mm. and that's paid itself off here because he was a Roman Reigns guy and so was Sami Zayn. And maybe long-term Baron Corbin's
1: thinking, what did I have that was that magic that, that got me that victory over Roman Reigns? Oh, yeah, the revival kind of helped. Oh, I thought you were going to say dog food. <laughs>
3: he's pulling a face at me, listeners, and I, and I hate it. <laughs> I didn't feel anything for this in and of itself. I didn't like how I was asking myself, are they self-aware or not? Is this, is this a way to get... The people who love Sami Zayn are predisposed to really hating Baron Corbin, but for not for the reasons that the characters are presented on TV. It's all about the way they're perceived to be workers and wrestlers and... All the rest of it. I just couldn't determine in my head the extent to which this felt like a consolation prize, a way to manipulate the smarks, (laughs) quote-unquote, to get back on side with Sami Zayn or something. I didn't know if this represented what was a potential misread at Elimination Chamber. I was just... oh, Be self-aware, it's Baron Corbin. You don't have to do this (laughs) with Sami Zayn. It's a terrible look to... My immediate thought was pairing him with Sami Zayn felt incredibly cheap and like a consolation prize make good, and it gave me an uneasy feeling about his long-term future as a character.
1: Byron Saxton's sitting down with uh, Rhea Ripley and, well, Mrs. Rhea Ripley, ex-con Dom. Um, Ripley talks about, yeah, I've got some unfinished business with Beth Phoenix after what happened at Elimination Chamber, but I'm focused on WrestleMania. I don't want to talk about Beth Phoenix anymore. Saxton doesn't want to just move on just yet, but then Dom steps in and says... You need to move on. Stop talking about this, Byron, or otherwise, I'll show you what I did to people in prison who talk too much. He's
2: <laughs> such an ace. He's such an it's idiot. The best. <laughs> best, best, best. Did you hear the booming, like when he ran off in the Judgment Day Tag match at the Chamber and then came back, like booming FU chants in WBPG shows. Like FU Dominic, kids in the front row. Yeah
1: best. Uh, so instead Byron starts talking about Charlotte Flair and Ripley says, yeah, she's obsessed with me. She talk- keeps talking about what happened at WrestleMania three years ago because she knows this year she's in, f- in trouble. Um, her empire is going to come crumbling down. I'm going to become champion at Mania basically. Uh, they plugged the face to face that we're going to get on SmackDown which will of course preview on the SmackDown preview. Uh, and Dom was like, oh yeah, my deadbeat dad, Rey Mysterio. He didn't say Ray Rey Mysterio to my <laughs> He said, my deadbeat dad's got a match schedule, does not he?
2: Maybe I'll... uh." Maybe I'll pop along as well. Well, I rubbed the skin clean off my thighs watching this, didn't I? Because they have arrived at the point at which after Rey Mysterio spent like all this time trying to escape, basically, to another wrestling show. like Despite the fact that Adam Pearce signs wrestlers from Fridays to Mondays every single week. They don't even, He doesn't have to sign them either. They're just no, here yeah. on the other shows. And Dominic had to wait till the Royal Rumble to ambush his dad. He has walked through the Forbidden Door, accompanying Rhea Ripley to <laughs> face-to-face with Charlotte Flair. But we are getting it. Like, last week, Karrion Crossman. was like, I want more, more more go with you, Rey Mysterio. And Dominic's like have a bit of that. Thanks very much. I cannot wait. Great. Uh, anything you want to say about this? Nah. Uh, Austin Theory's being
1: interviewed by Kathy Kelly. Talks about being banged up from the chamber. But uh, hey, always here because he's the champ. He's the forever champ. Beat five of the best in WWE, including Seth Rollins, who everyone thought would win. I didn't. Um, and then he starts banging on about John Cena, of course, because he's going to, apparently the um, advertising says, come to Monday Night Raw in Boston on early March for a wicker pistol. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be yeah he's going to be there in a couple of weeks and then theory's pissed off about him getting all the headlines uh, and then he said I'm looking forward tonight to being in a legend like Edge in crappy Canada <laughs> ah, yeah he's a piss spoiler, all of it yeah. alliteration
3: is a heel tactic yeah. <laughs>
4: Um.
1: then it was time for I think Sige said that this is one of the greatest feuds in in wrestling history. Mustafa Ali and Dolph Ziggler. <coughs> you on the preview yesterday you said it was Omega Okada-esque, if I remember rightly. Anyway, uh, <laughs> there was a bit of them um, on like a dot com exclusive, whatever it's like it is. Why? <laughs> Why do you always put my name in your mouth on previews? Well, and you, especially when you're not here. Well,
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's>, when I'm not <laughs> here, that's what I was talking. About. Funny. There's no
1: especially about it. Funny. Do words right. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> Funny. Do words right. Um, so Ziggler's told Ali to smile more, and he's taken that a little bit too literally. He's slapping hands. Hey, oh, must have Ali! <laughs> Comes down, uh, offers a handshake, but they get into it, uh, him and, and Ziggler. Uh, Ali bails to the floor, um, and they get back into it. Ziggler hits him with a DDT, goes to the famous, uh, and Ali does a mint let's be honest, pack-esque escape from the famous, uh, like a handstand to block it. And uh, he counters with a crucifix cover, one, two, three, and he's
2: the happiest man in Ottawa. Yeah, fine. Like, the finish, he did that once with the RKO, didn't he? Remember in the Randy Orton feud, which he also lost? Like, where you you bring the neck down, he puts hands up, and he springs back on that. Um, That was the moment. That might have predated the pack spots, actually? Yeah, there you go. But, like, that finish is Triple H's justification for eight months of burying him. And it's not enough, but loads of people will put that finish on Twitter and go, Staff Rally was goaded, actually, (laughs) all all along, pass it on. So they'll get away with this one. Uh, Whereas I felt like it was a little bit, talking about optics before, this felt like a little bit of a shortcut. It's like, whoa, we did that. See, idiots. They had a plan all along. Well, like, basically the flashiest ever surprise roll-up. Ever. Like, you know, fair play to Mustafa. Of course he can go. We've known this forever, but I need a bit more to be impressed. This was a little bit patronising in its delivery, I felt.
3: So, are they doing Mustafa Ali as Bo Dallas?
2: Like, a bit of a... He ends up in a mask hanging out with Bray Wyatt.
3: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like kind of a parody of the hand-slapping baby face, and that's the heat.
2: Maybe, yeah.
3: So I just, I couldn't tell what was going on here. All I know is that the monologuing in this match drove me insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's the kind of thing that it's storytelling, emphasis on the tell. And when they do, when they scream the story beats and the character motivations in your face, and then people on Twitter call it storytelling. It's insane. Like, watch watch other things. <laughs> watch other things. The fact that you are able to listen doesn't mean that you can understand a great story, or you're being you're being told one. You're literally being told one. <laughs>
2: it's not the same. It's a, it's a not. It's a potentially indelicate rib at Vincent Mann's expense, uh, a dead de- by the son-in-law here because smile like more, big smiles out there was a Vince thing, wasn't it? And this is obviously being done for potential heat. Remember when Triple H for one week tried to push Far Ali as like Stone Cold Steve Austin attacking Seth Rollins in the crowd? Yeah, one week, and then he looked at it, it was like don't like that. Right, you're going to lose for nine weeks on the spin now and I'll try something else. And this is the thing they're going to try. Back on board with the Mustafa Ali character, <laughs> baby. Yes! I'm so happy about this. Chad Gable is turning baby face, so they need a new, smug, worker rate heel to yes. step in with a funny catchphrase. Up steps moves to Bart Ali.
1: Uh, backstage, Missa Marisa canoodling. Oh,
4: my God.
1: And uh, it's, ta- what? it's time for an anniversary. Is that why you did the intro in
2: French? She's not going to shag you.
1: Um, I'm gonna say that was our running bit, not an Ariel Helwani endorsement <laughs> at all. Uh, Maurice, Clown. Maurice has got uh, an anniversary gift for uh, for Miz, but it can't cross the border, so instead she's got an envelope. Uh, Miz can't believe this, um, but it's so big he has to reveal it in Miz TV next week. I was like, yes,
2: that's a that's a bullet point for the preview, baby. I. Um, you know, the Bobby Lashley Brock Lesnar match, which turned out was a bait and switch. You know, when we got like really excited for it being on Elimination Chamber, I didn't get we, excited it, oh, no, yeah, for, for, yeah, yeah. because it was, wasn't was going to be on WrestleMania. This was the reverse of that because I got stressed that the Miz is going to be the friggin' host when we booked LA. Yes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. don't, don't. So I'm now nervous about
3: that. I'm nervous about Brock and Bobby doing something at WrestleMania. What an oh, absolute you. dud, yeah, a pointless dud of a program that has been. Though, yes. everyone's stock involved.
1: Um, Kathy brings up that uh, Miz has got to wrestle Seth Rollins tonight after having a couple of weeks of losing to Rick. Boogs! But he's like, well, they were kind of, yeah, they weren't proper wins. Um, And uh, he's he's talking about how Rollins is getting taken down a peg or two by his own, by his protege, Logan Paul. Uh, He says, I'm kind of personally responsible for uh, crushing his dreams and costing him the title. I was like, "Not, not the night, Mike. And uh, he's excited to reveal what the envelope is next week. And he's, he's looking forward to his match later.
2: Dare I say this without Sid jumping across the desk and chinning me? Ooh. Because I have ze- less than zero interest in Seth Rollins versus The Miz. But was this, because the match was already announced, and then Miz is doing the interview about the match. Was this like a good version of when like at like five minutes notice, AW tries to slap a grudge on a match that doesn't need a grudge? Because this match existed, and then Miz was like, I'm going to put the bear in a little bit with this Logan Paul stuff. Like, uh, if anything, I kind of trained him, so when he kicked your ass, that was because of me. Like, to kind of wind Seth up when he's already in a weakened state off Elimination Chamber. That's a bit like when there's a cool Dynamite match, and you were like, you know, the match would be fine, but instead we've got, like, an interruption promo where you've got to invent a a bit of a spark between them. I was never in a million years going to give a toss about the match, but I didn't hate the fact they tried to add a bit of spice to Mm. it. I don't disagree, and AEW is no
3: longer a sacred cow.
2: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, the sacred cow. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to love the elephant on Tuesdays. Actually, do cows and elephants get on? don't if they do here.
1: Find out on the NXT preview
2: later. Got a, we've got them, boys. <laughs> For all people know, there's a wrestler called Cow Person and a wrestler called Elephant Person. No. Nelly versus Cow Person tonight on NXT. What's uh check out the headlocks, they really milk it. <laughs> What's the cliched name? Daisy. Yeah. Daisy. Daisy and Nelly.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's not that funny, mate.
2: She's she's in the tag team, was she wrestling, or was it the other one? <laughs> on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> well, gals on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: how it happened. Ma- magic just happens, you know.
2: Uh, they don't just get podcasts they get live production yeah yeah.
4: (laughs) hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Cody Rhodes! Uh, <laughs>
3: Cody Rhodes came out next. What would it sound like if the... Um... <laughs> If the elephant and the cow <laughs> procreated Wilborn, what would that sound like? And they created like uh, a caliphant? Come on, I want to know the noise. An elephant.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, is it, yeah. so three how, is how
3: many is that? So we've got Wilborn, the Daddy Boys, Stacks, the elephant, <laughs>
2: cow. The cow. The sacred cow. And the elephant for cow (laughs) The the baby of the sacred cow and the elephant, yeah If I was trying to do Sidgwick doing Pete Dunne I would say Cowdy Rhodes (laughs) Cowdy Rhodes (laughs) So, uh,
1: Cody, let's talk about Cody's reaction Because you were nervous about this yesterday
2: For the first time, I refused to sell it for the Rumble I refused to sell it in the build-up to Elimination Chamber But I was genuinely nervous I was like, this might be the night There's, There's two ways you could flub this One, send him out there and he just gets booed Too close to Sammy or whatever possibly even worse was a video promo thinking you were dodging that and then he'd look like The Rock used to when he would make his flimsy, hey, great to see you fans. You isolated that time when it was like, let me hear the millions. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> great to hear from you fans. <laughs> I miss y'all. Like So I, I was like genuinely nervous for Cody. As somebody that is rooting for him and this baby facing to work, love the story, love what like, they're doing with Paul Heyman, but the bigger picture from what he set up last year with mm, Dusty and they're winning that world title. And this reassured me that things are pretty good Mm. because Canada, Ottawa,
1: was buzzing to see him. And he literally gets that, uh, so... And then Paul Heyman, of course, interrupts. He's got a big neck brace on and all the world titles, uh, selling what happened to him at Elimination Chamber, of course. I loved his begging off. I never liked him, I like you! (laughs) Um, Cody's like, where are you, Paul? And Heyman's like, "I'm, I'm in the arena. And he's like, well, just come down to the ring then. And Haman's uh, like, no, no, no! Uh, I've got the, my ass handed to me, and I've had to, <laughs> I've had to go through the miserable Canadian healthcare system.
2: Substantially it's, it's better than America's, and almost yeah. as good as the NHS. Yeah. So, shut your mouth, Paul.
1: What's the heat though in it? Yeah. He said, "What should, should have been a celebration for the tribal chief became a tragedy for the wise man." Uh, but the real tragedy is going to be Cody's story. What happens at WrestleMania? He says, "Look, man to man, you know you can't beat Roman Reigns." Um, but let's play into the fantasy for a minute. Let's say the devil collects my debt and somehow at Mania, you beat Roman Reigns for all the titles. Then what will your life be like? Have you ever heard of indentured servitude? Um, obviously, of course Cro- he, has. he was in AEW. <laughs> <laughs> Roman doesn't live like that because he's got me, the wise man, Paul Heyman. But if Cody, if you win, you won't have me. So let's do a little bit of quick maths on your a little fantasy. So you're 200 days a year, you're out defending the belts. 50 days charity stuff, 30 days overseas doing brand stuff, 20 days just promoting all the big premium live event matches. That leaves you, what, 60 days at home? And what about when you're there doing Zoom calls and meetings and all that sort of thing? What was it that Dustin said about it? When Dusty was on the road, he was never home. And when he was home, he was never really home. Uh, Is that what you want for your family? Is that the sacrifice you're wanting to make for these titles? Look. I'm not going to say anything vile here. Everyone's like, go on then, here we go. I'm not going to say Roman's going to keep your wife warm, keep her company whilst you're out on the road. Hey, Roman is a happily married man. But I'm not. And that's the kind of thing, quite rightly, that will turn Cody's WrestleMania dream into a nightmare. And Cody's pissed off now. He says, look, Roman's great. I've seen this before. Don't send Paul Heyman again. Uh, We haven't come face-to-face yet, me and you, Mr. Reigns, but we will soon, um, and I'll say to you face-to-face what I'm going to say now. You are the best champion in all of wrestling right now, but that doesn't change a damn thing, because I've got to finish this story, and I will beat you at WrestleMania.
2: I thought this ruled so goddamn hard. Um, Paul Heyman, for the first time, Cody Rhodes has spent all of his career, but especially in WWE canon, has spent 12 months, even when his tit was broken, Basically saying, my goal isn't to just win the WWE title, it's to be Dusty Rhodes. Like, I knew yeah. I always could be, I want to be Dusty Rhodes. And like as an honour, not as a sort of, in his shadow, as an honour. I want to be just like Dusty Rhodes. And then for the first time, Paul Heyman, as a heel, knowing that Cody's a threat, has gone, but do you? Amazing. A detail I never would have imagined them even bothering with. Like, so again, I just love the thought that has gone into that, like, question Cody's motivation as the he's got it all babyface, and suddenly you identify a potential chink in his armor, a potential one thing that the that stops him from being just another Superman John Cena figure, which is something again that like enough people have said, the risk falling into a trap with Cody being a Cena guy, and immediately you've identified something that Cody sold, by the way, was being, well, I know you're just trying to talk me down, but it's Cody. It's something he will now think about and it will go into the back of his mind. Heyman has done his job getting into, like tapping into Cody's psyche, then when he's done it, he's gone for the throat by invoking his wife, which is great because it introduces branding into WWE law. And I think we all want a bit of that. So that's just great on another level. If like she comes out either before WrestleMania or even better at WrestleMania and slaps the taste out of Paul Heyman's mouth, that's just going to be an unbelievable moment in this match that is destined to be this kind of like sports entertainment bells and whistles, fireworks factory. So I just couldn't have really loved this more. And it, again, kind of like presented the situation where Roman Reigns is frightened of Cody Rhodes. He is scared of the challenge that Cody Rhodes presents. And Cody, because he's not a thick babyface, is wise to that. Even if Heyman has got under his skin, he's he's trying really hard to keep his eyes on the prize. And I think that just makes you empathize with him as the babyface all the more. I loved this.
3: I can't add any more insight to that. I think it was very well-reviewed. My only problem with it is, for obvious reasons, with it being done via satellite, it lacked the intensity, mm. and it lacked the um, the tension, like, as with everything, this would have been one million times better had it happened in the ring, and you could have seen Cody just gently try to simmer down the whole, it's like, remember that, brilliant, and the parody was even better, um video package where Cody's just in the deprivation tank, just trying to focus, just yeah. trying to focus, just trying to focus. That's what he was like in this promo, but he couldn't because Paul Heyman, as Hamford points out, has found a perfect way to rattle him. This was, if you show and don't tell me that you're trying to live rent-free in someone's head, <laughs> don't, don't say that obnoxious, completely overdone um, expression, then that heel strategy actually retains some power. And I mm. thought this was really, really strong.
1: Then it was time for Asuka versus Nikki Cross. Bianca Belair comes down just as the match starts to uh, watch from ringside. Oh, God. Uh, Asuka early on is in control, but kicks the ring post after Nikki Cross ducks an attack and Cross hits her with a reverse DDT on the apron to take over. After a break, Asuka fights back. Three straight German suplexes gets her a near fall. Um, Nikki heads out of the ring, catches Asuka in the ring skirt and starts batting her in that. Um... Nikki, when they get back in, heads up top, but Asuka cuts her off and hits her with a nice-looking top rope DDT for a near fall. Um, Nikki walks into a head kick, avoids the Asuka lock, hits that landslide, I think is the name of her move. That gets her a two count, um, but then Asuka counters a spinning neckbreaker into that new submission of hers to get the victory. Post-match, Belair comes in for a stare down and the visual shot of the two of them and pointing at the WrestleMania sign. Uh, And Asuka's smiling, but then
2: suddenly she spits up black goo. (laughs) So the match, just really briefly, because it was only really brief anyway, I will say Asuka and Nikki Cross have really great hitting each other hard law. There's a few times in NXT and then on the main roster where they've just kind of like, they're late in. And I thought if nothing else, for like a TV match that was designed to set Nikki off on one path and Asuka on the other, it was like a good pairing. Mm. If you're going to get like two or three minutes of this, it was like half decent action. I hated the post-match. I get it. I get the idea that like Asuka is unhinged, and no matter what Bianca Belair is the EST of, all of those skills won't she matter. She's isn't the sickest. The sickest. She's not the darkest. She's got to become those ESTs to take on Asuka. She's, she's
1: bloody sick of this, isn't she? Just got rid of Alexa Bliss, and now she's still yeah, in here.
2: She's like not ready for her, as was the old saying, but that's because the Asuka now is someone different to the Asuka that was in that NXT. I wish it was the Asuka in NXT that just had 800 days of a winning streak rather than... Made speed misty in your face because as well, and I've said this a million times, Bianca Belair should not be used as a week-to-week episodic TV wrestler. She's simply too special. And when you do that awful WWE, you should WWE just improve the episodic TV. <laughs> like, That's what they should do. They should, but like Bianca Belair, whenever they do it, leave the camera on the face six seconds too long. WWE trademark on her, it just tears away all that aura that she builds up in every single one of her big matches. Ah. Uh, I don't well, want to. I don't want to like. <laughs> not the rumble match. I don't want to kill people's enthusiasm for Bianca Belair and Asuka because I feel like I did it on the run up to Elimination Chamber, and I really don't want to. But there is evidence of and Asuka's been in a couple of these. Evidence of the big Asuka match not delivering if the story isn't right. Mm. So this they need like Triple H needs to do some f*ing work with this women's division and especially this women's title because this will bomb in ways people don't expect at WrestleMania unless he actually tells a story. The omens for the story
3: are dire, dire on the back of this. I don't understand. Well, I do. It's because it's Triple H and he loves it. They're going a law route with this. I think it's going to fail dismally. It's either going to be a cringeworthy supernatural adjacent failure or just as drab as it gets. As drab as 2019 Black and Gold where they're doing stare-downs and they're each watching each other's matches and... Giving it feigned praise with applause. I thought, oh, you did well, but you're not going to do as well against me at WrestleMania against in this like four-minute crap match on Raw. I like, obviously, obviously, that's the case. I will show me Arson Fennec's window if this gets interesting. And <laughs> just will not. Could they not have had Bianca Blair commentate? Because I was like half asleep watching this. And I thought, all right, just on commentary. Don't know how you're going to tell the story. But you know, Bianca could say, you know, I'm everything on the strongest, I'm the quickest, I'm the whateverist. I didn't have the longest title reign, and that's what I'm up against, someone with the previous of being the most dominant wrestler in this entire company. And I can't say, despite my many accolades, that I've ever been as dominant as she. That's a decent story. (laughs) It's all very basic stuff. She could have articulated this on commentary. I can't believe she just sat there and had the camera in her face because her acting was dreadful. And I don't envy her. Who could pull this off? The Mm. Rock did it in that backstage thing against Farouk, the silent promo, when you're reacting to things. No one's The Rock. No one else is The Rock. The idea that she had to do the most exaggerated, broad. The camera is looking at me, so it's time to emote and do a facial expression.
2: "Mm,
3: That wasn't bad. (laughs) Oh, my God. My, ah, just cringe.
1: So much of WWE TV just makes me cringe with how forced it is. Uh, We go backstage, Kathy Kelly's asking Carmella if she's got a new game plan for making it to Mania. And fair play to Carmella for going, it was literally two days ago, give me a chance. (laughs) Uh, But she's pissed off with Asuka, obviously. And she says, I'm going to make WrestleMania a whole lot easier for Bianca Belair to set up a match between the two of them going forward. Uh, Carmella leaves and then it's time for... Seth Rollins, it's time for Seth Rollins. Uh, he's, he's, he's trying to no-sell the fact that Logan Paul's completely ruined his plans for WrestleMania. Um, but he's, he's shoot, pissed off. Um, and he's like, I can't wait to get my hands on that prick. But he's not here tonight, so I'm just going to beat up the Miz instead. I take Seth Rollins so much
3: more seriously when he is forcing this weird clown role than when he's trying to convey, like, intimidation Yeah. Like he, It never passes the smell test for me when he's trying to be a badass. who so, you know, if you cross him, there will be hell to pay. It's like, you're not Terry Funk. <laughs> you're Seth Rollins. Stay in your lane. And your lane is a wacky clown who is easier to take seriously than the human being that is Taylor Black. <laughs> Way <We're
1: laughs> no, more no, Terry Belair than Terry Funk. I quite liked him as Joker and Becky Lynch's.
3: It was one of the worst things I've ever seen, <laughs> mate. It was honestly one of the worst things I've ever seen. What was the tone? Was it meant to be funny?
2: Yeah, there was, it was
3: not 2005. Like the 2005 ones are
2: genuinely quite yeah. good. And the thing was, there was no other way they could go with it. Like, as soon as you see him in that gear and he's dancing down the stairs to his own music, you're like, well, they absolutely had to make this parody. They should have just left it there on yeah. the
1: stairs dance. Just the visual. Maybe uh-huh. the
2: visual. No, no, him actually doing the dance and then
3: maybe breaking the fourth wall and doing his laugh, and then it just ends and the Joker's come to WrestleMania. The
1: <laughs> Joker baby.
3: The Joker baby. But then they did this risible dialogue with him and Becky. Yeah.
2: So uh, MVP calls. We're more convincing on, the... on the Applebee's advert on the last premium. No, no, they're just the worst. Absolute
1: pair of them. MVP calls never Brock... appear on TV together. Have not learned your lesson. Yeah. Sorry, Will Go on. <laughs> calls Brock a coward. Says you. Kn- I knew you-, you. knew you couldn't escape the Hurt Lock, so you got yourself DQ'd. Well, how about you face this guy at WrestleMania, and it pans to almost come out next week and accept.
3: Go on, Sage. I don't want to watch that at WrestleMania. Well, and watch it in a glorified house show. I'm loath to say Saudi Arabia because I don't want those events to exist. Let's just say I would love to see it. It's Super Showdown 2 in Australia.
2: Yeah. Uh, or at the old uh, Telly West. At the the Ma- old Telly the Ma- West. Ma- I, uh, I, I couldn't disagree more because I'm a sucker for this. This is such a waste. This It's not going to happen. Brock and Omos is not going to happen at WrestleMania. But I'm frustrated about that because remember how Kurt Angle used to tease doing a German suplex off the apron and never deliver it until so he got to TNA and just did it cuz a teenager Angle's a different animal. Uh, like that he would always tease that and you were like don't tease that cuz i want to see what that looks like and it wasn't until he had AJ Styles in his hands it was like are we doing this then? <laughs> like he would do it on a random raw in 2005. This match graphic is that for me? It's like <laughs> Brock Lesnar almost at WrestleMania. Yes, please. Like German's F5's uh, like a broken ring in the middle of WrestleMania. <laughs> so, yes, but, and they're not going to do it. No. We're getting friggin' Bobby Lashley, or This Is How The Hurt Business Reunite, or whatever. I I cannot cope with Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar again. How are they arriving at boring Brock Lesnar matches at WrestleMania year on fucking year? Because Triple H is booking it. Yeah, but Vince booked Roman, and they did three of them. Only one was good. This is true. I'll tell you what, might have changed my mind.
3: I've given up hope of the idea of Brock Lesnar doing, like, an amazing match, a la... Excuse me. Johnny Sneezer. Um, CM Punk or Danielson. Those matches aren't gonna happen. I'm so bored of the Heyman Lesnar match. Like, oh my God. So I might as well see a moss at this point. I think a lot of people are not realizing what the would get instead of that match, which is uh, oh, people are saying it's such a waste of Lesnar to work such a limited guy like a moss. It's like, is it? It's a spectacle. Mm-hmm he might scan as impressive again. Like, I never get impressed by Brock Lesnar in his no. matches anymore. They're just so formulaic. So, you know what? I'm, it's not going to happen, but no. I'm team Lesnar versus Amos.
2: It's because cause Gunther and Austin were the sort of... Yeah, these are floating in the background, yeah. and then like those are the matches. So then you like there is no there is no middle bit where it's like maybe Brock and Edge because they haven't been. I don't care. Like there's a bunch of Austin theory. There's a bunch of wrestlers that Brock could face. I don't want to watch. So then you've got to get as silly as possible to me. If it's not those two, go as daft as you possibly can, and they're not going to give you it. yeah.
3: Honestly, this it's been so underreported how abysmal this Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley program yeah. has been. My God, it deserves to get a hammering and no one will do it because people are just in WWE's pocket or they want to lick WWE's, ar- WWE's arse to get press access. What the wrestler's going to tell you in these inter- interviews? Absolutely nothing. Um,
2: Shout out to uh, John Pollock and Brandon Thurston yeah. for asking only two good questions. Yes. Up. What a shock it was those two. I know. Uh, <laughs> what a unbelievable
3: shock. So let's get this straight, okay? So you have this match at the Royal Rumble where Lashley over-celebrates a tainted win like a yep. bad baby face. Then you go to Crown Jewel which has this Oh, it wasn't really a finish. And he turned somewhat. heel
2: in, petulant heel turn after the fact, because yeah. like Brock used a breadth finish. Yeah. Super technical way to win a match.
3: Yeah. yeah. And then they've had a pissy fit, and then it's all inconclusive, and then there's a kick to the ball. So, like, who's the baby face? Who's the heel? None of these results have felt definitive. You're meant to have this absolutely awesome, epic encounter. The two, it's Clash of the Titans. It's a 15-year dual sports dream match. Yes. That's, none of and that it is an Completely and utterly bollocksed it up. It should be, if there's any match that should end cleanly and decisively, it's this testosterone-fueled Clash of the Titans, who's the biggest monster badass, and they've contrived to ruin it three times. They've teased doing it again. and I love the idea of, if you take it face value, if it wasn't like a um, red herring or a ruse or whatever, Bray Wyatt has had to say on SmackDown, this battle between the two big monsters... I'd take the winner because I want to prove that I'm a bigger monster than either. Even if Bray White's a complete joke, from a character point of view, that makes sense. So on a technicality, he has to go, well, you got kicked in the balls. <laughs> that makes you the biggest monster by default, and now we're going to have the match to decide who's the biggest monster. It's absolutely pathetic storytelling, and more people should be really, really like just burying this, and no one is. Because no one wants to, because it's the Fed and people are biased towards it.
2: And in the SmackDown thing where Bray, like, I popped for that because I was like, Bray Wyatt entering that orbit. WWE so do weird. something
3: terrible, I'll tell you. And yeah. I
2: do. Like Bray Wyatt entering that orbit was like, that's great because these this match this pairing is boring. That WrestleMania thing is going to be weird. I want to look at it Mm. fantastic. And you've got, like, Uncle Howdy, like, running the (laughs) ropes. Is is he, like, going to suffer a mule kick in the dick and balls like Bobby Lashley did of Brock Lesnar? Like, what exactly can he suffer? Like, if we get the big tag, maybe Brock and Bobby have got to work together against (laughs) Bray Wyatt and Uncle Howdy. Like, this won't save it. I'm not pitching this as a save, but it's just something that I think I could see. Um, I'm wondering if we have to have frigging Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley one more time. So they just off, like... They can't use the fight pick because that was too recent. But Like the Lion's Den or something. It needs Ooh, to... Nah, put them in something that is visually so different. At least in the
3: stadium, though. Yeah. They like, can't do it in, like, the auditorium or something like no, that. <laughs> like, they
2: would have to have it in, like, one corner. Yeah. Like the frigging um, mimosa pools for the Jericho thing. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. there, but you just don't acknowledge it until you need it. Because the visual needs to change because... How is... Yeah, how are you looking at these men and not wanting to watch them fight? Yeah. It is a catastrophe, this story.
1: Triple H sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, apart from the Dominic Mysterio thing, which is one of the greatest pieces of booking I've ever seen. Folks, where's the... Uh, Seth Rollins versus The Miz. Skiff. Yeah, um, one of the best Busei knees I've ever seen. Um, but uh, Rollins eventually just kept That's Curbs awesome. off in him until he uh, won by a referee's office. You not know all that, it's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling-related. The five-star review review. Nailed it. Ah. Uh.
2: Uh, absolute snake stuff from Adam Wilborn because I just thought you were going to put over the multiple curbs starts at the stoppage, forgetting that there was an opportunity to draw Sidrick over Brighton. He's already done it with the Psycho Knee.
1: Psycho Knee, Brian Danielson, and Logan Paul's uh, bookshot.
2: Uh, it's a better bookshot.
3: No, it seen, isn't, man. Sprint, no, it isn't. In isn't is no, it
2: isn't. No, it isn't. Priming the heels of his. <laughs> it looks
3: like an athlete trying to do it.
1: Dan Salisbury or Devin gives us this week's five-star It's video of
2: Easy Money doing one on Rob Van Damme that was kicking it. Yeah, right? yeah. That yeah. ruled, didn't it?
1: Sorry, little boy. Uh, I yeah. apologise. Dan, <laughs> thank you for your five-star review, review uh, on uh, Apple Podcasts. You can also leave it on Spotify, but you'd have to screenshot the five-star rating. We
3: need the proof.
1: And then email it to me, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com But Dan writes, hello! First of all, I just want to say uh, thank you to the three legends that are Adam and the Daddy Boys for your fantastic content. I found your podcast around a year ago, and ever since, my 45-minute commute has become enjoyable. I love Adam's positivity, Hampless knowledge and insight on WWE and Sidric's passion and take no prisoners takes on either wwe or aew thanks as a wrestling fan who enjoys both aew and wwe you can enjoy both uh i feel you strike the perfect balance in coverage on both having recently become a dad i really enjoy congratulations it congratulations
3: good luck for the next few years yeah
1: i really enjoy it where you don't need it it's it's fine i really enjoy it Where it's, you talk it's it it's it's broadly, broadly fine really enjoy it when you talk about your kids. I can only hope I'm more successful in getting mine into wrestling. Uh, For my five-star review review, could you pick something from the saga of Dawn Marie Tory Wilson and her dad? Mainly for the perverted comments. There's been a little bit of negativity towards Sidgwick recently, and I just wanted to say, F F guys. I think he's
3: great.
1: I don't care what people say about you. You're all right. I
3: thought I'd fallen off the radar for this sort of thing.
1: (laughs) Every Thursday morning, the first thing I do is visit his Don't tell
3: me that I'm a hater. I don't actively seek feedback because I know that I'm already good.
1: I like the negative comments.
3: I I quite enjoy them. Not on you. About about myself, obviously. I I know I'm better than these people. (laughs) And I've long since reconciled that and no longer seek their feedback.
1: I
2: don't think I've
3: ever had a good bit of constructive
2: criticism. Ever. Like, not just off the internet, just in in life. I remember
3: reading one, and obviously I didn't take it to heart that much because I'm still a pretentious sod, where someone isolated and quoted one line I had. It was very alliterative, like way back in the day. I was like, you know what? I am a <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to
1: stop being so
3: c and try and be less of one. And then that was been my, uh, that's driven me to where I am today.
1: Every Thursday morning, the first thing I do is visit his Twitter to get his takes on Dynamite. Don't like it. Don't listen, actually. Uh, keep with the good work, lads. Hope to see you for AW London and buy you a beer.
2: One quick correction. Don't like it? Leave it playing with no volume on when you get to yeah, work, yeah, 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 yeah. and then like yeah, download the lessons, it, download yeah. it again, or just turn the volume dial when I
3: speak. Okay. Then <laughs> four minutes later, you'll know someone else is speaking, and then turn it off.
1: Oh my God! We could just do podcast the whole podcast, and then the podcast where it's just Hamlet okay. talking, podcast where it's just Sidhu, podcast where it's just me doing stupid. <laughs> so like, I'm kind of going off the oh, what culture so cool thing,
2: but there. going off the what culture thing. Bob was tuning for what the sacred cow's got to say about SmackDown
1: for 60 minutes then <laughs> worth it before we go any further the sacred cow's got to sell you on some products <laughs> uh, anyway thank you uh, Dan Salisbury R. Devon full uh, thanks Dan Apple podcast Dan's already. a
2: fantastic man
1: um, so talk me through I've not
2: heard about this the uh, the saga of Dormarie Torrey and Al Wilson saga is absolutely the word it showed all of wrestling how you can tell a long and detailed story over six to eight months and um, Yeah, Al Wilson arrived one day at work uh, with Tory Wilson. I brought my dad to work. Is it one of the things they do in America? No, because no other wrestler's dad's there, but Al Wilson is. Uh, And Tory Wilson has explained to the locker room that he's divorced now and just, like, looking for a fresh start in life. Uh, And Dawn Marie meets him. We find... Is this the first meeting? uh, It's a meet-cute, at least, if it's not the Mm. first meeting. Um, And, like, you know, it's not necessarily related to the clip we're about to watch, but needless to say, things get pretty steamy between the two. Love blossoms. It's very much your sort of your Richard Curtis rom com brought to WWE writ large. And just like your love actually. You're uh, four weddings and unfortunately a funeral. <laughs> uh, Al Wilson gets f to death, and Tory Wilson ends up in a hotel room with Dawn Marie, who tries to engage in a dangerous liaison yes. while we're still talking French um, to try and get them out of this sticky situation. If you know what I'm saying, come. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Truth of the matter was, uh, this is me and Cedric love this era of Paul Heyman. Booking a kick-ass wrestling show on SmackDown and coming up with, like, three or four things to distract Vince McMahon with. That's what this storyline was for. Genuinely, there's um, two bits of lore
3: surrounding South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. Apparently, there's, like fo- there's a threshold of, like, 400 swears or something, and if you exceed it, you just get that bad rating that won't get you in theatres. Yeah. And they did, like, two or three fewer <laughs> swear words. Also, they put in some genuinely reprehensible would never ever pass any censor jokes in there that they themselves didn't want in the film knowing that the censors would go "Uh, no 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 oh that one about Saddam Hussein "Eh, that's fine compared to that yeah so they got away with what they thought was beyond the pale material that they believed in and thought was funny by putting stuff that they didn't believe in knowing that it would look better by comparison that's
2: genuinely what Paul Heyman did yeah I don't think he's ever said it, but it's a working theory of ours. There was too much. If you look at SmackDown, the divide is too big between, like, Paul Heyman is getting his dream of some of his favorite wrestlers in these awesome rotation of matches. And then it would, like, anyway, backstage now to Rico, combing his hair. And it's (laughs) like, well, you're giving Vince something to produce. Moves move I am,
3: though, to reference him on a podcast, but Jim Cornette said that the chocolate... It's its his analogy, isn't it? The chocolate mm. and vanilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With The yeah. way that he likes his wrestling and the way that Vince liked it. And he said he tried to do the balance, but Paul Heyman almost assuredly did as well. Mm.
1: So, yeah, we asked uh, Dan asked for, yeah, a, a marie Tory Wilson thing, and I thought, you know, we're not going to do the, the hotel room stuff. We're not going to lower ourselves to... Yeah, Al getting shagged to death on holiday. So we're going to do a bikini contest instead. Marie um, walks backstage. They had a
2: raging bonk on when they got married, and it was so funny. <laughs> Dormarie in their underwear
1: walks backstage in a black gown, and Al's getting a coffee. And Don says, "Hi." Why I'm, is Tiffany Stratton? Find out why on the NXT preview. Another hook. I know I'm competing at your daughter tonight. Oh, man, it's a morning. But I was wondering if you could <laughs> give me an opinion on something. Al, shoot, sh- ogling her at this point, says, oh, sure. And uh, Dawn removes the robe or opens it up. We can't see it. And she goes, how's this bikini look? And Al's uh, like, oh, look, looks pretty great. I wish I was the bikini. He didn't say that, but he's, she says, thank you, Mr. Welton. And he says, hey, hey. Call me Al. Uh, and she goes. <laughs> said, "Thank you, Al."
2: Go to break. Come back. Just want to say, by the way, like Al Wilson in this could easily be confused with like Linda McMahon, like in terms of their acting ability, Ooh. like just that lack of any sort of projection. Was it a shoot, Dad? I think so. It would have to you be. Know, I think it so, They could have yeah. got a
1: better horny old guy yeah. than yeah. this. <laughs> uh, could have got, got Wilborn. <laughs> so, we go to break, come back. Uh, Michael Cole's talking about how, how I hope this bikini thing becomes a weekly thing, because I think the previous week might have been the Tory-Nidia thing, uh, which I, I
2: think we just talked about
1: a while back. Yeah, they were suggesting, like,
2: it was as if it was, like, with the AEW, the match graphics, where then the rankings, like, Tory's looking to be 2-0 and in bikini contests here. <laughs> yeah. The streak. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Tori comes out in a white robe.
4: Oh, my God.
1: Uh, excuse me. Underneath the Smackdown fist. That's what that was for. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cole says, uh, Tori looks stunning tonight. (laughs) Imagine what she looks like under that robe. It's a bikini contest, Cole. (laughs) (laughs) Two minutes, mate. Just, anyway, uh, Taz is there in the ring with his sunglasses on. Uh, and says, let's see Tori Wilson's competition in this competition. And, uh. Uh Dawn Marie's out there. Uh, and he runs through the rules. Rules. 30 seconds, take your robe off and show your bikini, basically. Yeah. Uh but yeah. this this week the raging Cajuns are the uh are the judges. Uh and Dawn does her thing and gets a decent reaction. Tas says, Well, I think that worked. I don't know what exactly he's implying there, but uh
3: I think he maybe got an erection. <laughs> Isn't that what this whole thing exists for? Oh, yeah, men, yeah, good to get,
1: point. To get men hard. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, you can hear Cole's erection whilst Tori Wilson uh, shows off. She's the master of the bikini contest, according to Michael Cole. And Michael Cole loves him, in a flesh colored bikini. Uh, so they go to the audience to judge. Jo- Dawn Marie gets booze. Tori Wilson gets huge cheers. And I like the fact that, Tori- that Taz goes, and your winner is Tori Wilson. Wilson, <laughs> Mr. Kennedy, apparently. Uh, and uh, she throws the lollipop into the crowd. So, <laughs> Why do you say it like that? I, sorry, I just got distracted. Um, and Dawn offers to shake her hand, but of course immediately then slaps her and throws her out the ring. And Dawn Marie says, uh, sorry, and Michael Cole says, Dawn Marie's a witch! Uh,
2: and scene. I mean, I can't remember what date this was, but I feel like that might have been setting up. A Halloween episode next week where Don Marie was literally a witch. There's every chance that was why that line was thrown in. This was when me and Sidge talk about that post attitude era glum, it's still the cum soaked, but they come starting to like crust over. It's just so like, bleak. I don't want to like put over Jerry Lawler ever, right? But Jerry Lawler and Sable kind of like is the like Omega Okada of <laughs> this genre. Like when you watch this and you realize, like, right. Raw was at its most frat boy. The Attitude there was just like...
3: 1998 is weird when you go and watch it, but... Yeah,
2: like fits in a way, like even now is kind of uncomfortable viewing, but you just, if you live through it and when you're watching these characters in this zone, there is an incredibly, incredibly satisfied customer base and that extends to networks that cannot believe that wrestling has become this hot property. Wrestling is not a hot property in 2003. It's just not. And yet it is like still, it still thinks this is playing the hits yeah. and it's so painfully not. Uh,
1: so we go to the comments section. I if there'll be any tr- anything interesting here. Uh, just to read it, all right? Please do. Time
0: it's play. time to play the game!
3: Time to play time to the play game! game. Ha, ha 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 No one forced it to wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> um. did, it, did it, did it, did it, did it. Guess the perverted comment.
2: Oh, I wish it was that old man's cock. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be. I was, like, nailed on for this being I wish I was the lollipop. Yeah? Like, Wilbon kind of went there in the review. I wish that lollipop was my dick. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how, that's what I'm going
3: to go with. I wish, that, that's my formal, this is how it's going to be written. I wish that lollipop
2: was my dick. I wish I was a kid in that crowd and caught that lollipop stick because the pervert doesn't understand it because they were watching this when they were a kid. They'd have to be that age when they were in the crowd, even though they're watching this 15 years later. to a jacket.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, let's find out. Once again, these do not reflect the views myself, Daddy Boys, well, anyone at What Culture Wrestling, or indeed Dan, who suggested this. Um, just again, to use a Cedric phrase, think of the, the ground this covers from Nicholas. Not our Nicholas. No, not <laughs> our Nicholas. You've never. Damn! This is the best thing that has happened in WWF history.
2: <laughs> Probably that. And then. <laughs> You see, sorry to divert on uh, your favourite stage, Dax, did you see him, what he said, what he revealed that Vince had said about that match? Yes. That's so funny. It's great. Worst. Like, <laughs> the Good Brothers and FTR were wrestling every day, just having these bland matches doing like, yeah, uh, your turn tonight, is it? And they come backstage, you know, our usual one-star TV match. Vince is like, that's the worst wrestling match I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Vince McMahon. That's the worst thing. <laughs>
1: Amazing. Uh, Someone, and I
3: hated that I was on Squared Circle, someone pointed out that Luke Gallows has the distinction of having both Antonio Noki (laughs) and Vince McMahon's (laughs) least favourite wrestling match. What an absolute failure Uh, and legend.
1: Who's he tagging with on the live shows right now? Adrenaline, (laughs) air my soul. What a worker. Cocky891, this may satisfy your, your guesses, just writes, uh... That's right. Oh, this makes my caterpillar emoji so hard.
4: <laughs>
1: oh, God. Can imagine it with like little legs.
2: Halfway through the comment, dick in one hand, phone in the other, using his finger to scroll through. Looks like a dick. Well, I yeah. can't find that bloody eggplant. Oh, well, I'll go into animals. Just keep going. Just keep going. Tiger light in there. Bingo. I can't use a worm. I think it's small. <laughs> The erection's like when it becomes a butterfly somehow. Mine's big and it ain't got loads of legs. <laughs> uh, um, this, this, this,
1: this one might have you in the first half, I'm not going to lie. Mr. B writes, that woman should be illegal for being so stunningly gorgeous in a public place. <laughs>
2: it's got A little bit of m'lady about that. It does it? a little it? bit. Tiptoeing towards milady.
3: Director's workshop on that, so you can actually say it yeah. to someone
2: in real life. Second, I'm going to have to ring 999. 911. <laughs> for our Americans. For our Americans. I'd like to report a robbery.
1: You've stolen my heart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, T Man writes, Oh. Oh, uh, hey. I suddenly yearn for some Christmas hams. It's about the incel
3: way of saying he wants to eat someone's ass. Yeah, I think yeah. So. yeah.
1: <laughs> um, S <laughs> S the SC reveals you want to know a secret, buddy, and then like loads of you know I have to oops to show more of the comment all the way at the bottom. I'd do it. Thanks for letting us know. <laughs> <laughs> Final couple. <laughs> I don't know, you know like This one's getting edited out no, 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 it's alright, it's alright This isn't the uh, people commenting on Liv Morgan
2: I wish I was the elimination chamber uh, Or Phil on the stream having to read it out without understanding the context Like, Liv Morgan in the cage, I wish I was the mesh Thanks for your comment, five dollars I was like, oh, I feel right <laughs> We're not going to be able to concentrate on the match This goes back quite a long way
1: just uh, J-Man Stryker just writes, oh, I'd love to smell. I don't know what that is. <laughs> that's <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. the comment. I don't know what when, when
3: did this comment get pulled? Four published?
2: months ago. Ah. Maybe he had COVID. I was going to say, maybe he had the completely
1: oh, <laughs> Maybe
3: he, maybe to... he didn't want to sniff any bikinis or, you know, orifices. Maybe he
2: just had the novel coronavirus. And you thought it was about gussets. <laughs> yeah.
1: Final comment from James. Feels inappropriate to do this on this day, as as you'll see in a second. James just writes, oh, I love boobs. Mondays are for mummy milkers. (laughs) (laughs) Only Mondays.
2: He's got his wanking calendar. Couldn't possibly... It's Wednesday.
1: <laughs> What's the theme? night? Com- you, you know what I mean. What's the theme of
2: Come Tuesday?
3: <laughs> Facials. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's not that just answering question. I was just asking questions. So, yeah, I appreciate
1: it. Thanks to, to Dan for that. Thanks, Dan. If you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling related, do so on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five star review on there. Or leave us a five star rating on Spotify. Screenshot it.
3: We need the proof.
1: And then email it to me adam.wilborn.com. At whatculture.com. Jesus, is the main event time. No, we're way off yet. Yeah. I was thinking this. You guys were talking so much, and I was like, oh, brother, we're in hour two here.
2: In deep water. <laughs> oh, God.
1: So, yes, uh, Rollins, uh, ref stoppage. Carmella's asked for a match with Asuka next week. Postman Pierce says, fine. cool. I appreciate move your on, attitude. Move on. I did then like <laughs> Chelsea Green being on the phone because <laughs> she's been sent to... Ottawa, Illinois, instead of Canada. And uh, she's like, how are you going to fix this? And he's like, oh, you're breaking up. Bye. So she's going to be more Karen stuff next week, basically. Um, And then Chad Gable is the narcissist all of a sudden, (laughs) modeling in front of the mirror with Otis. When Bronson Reed walks up and says, is that how you prepare for a match? And uh, Gable's like, well, I'm getting pretty close to a big modeling gig, actually. Reed's like, I'll put you in a full body cast. And Otis gets in his face. There's your dream match right there. Yep. Run that at Mania mm-hmm. for five lovely minutes. Uh, what winner gets a modeling contract? <laughs> that's that's how WWE it, yes. <laughs> uh, then time for... You know what?
3: Sorry. If Bronson Reed had any intimidating factor about him, and it's weird that he doesn't, incidentally, it would just be gone in these backstage segments. He's not the wrestler for these, is he? No.
1: Ding dong. Hello. It is is
3: excruciating.
1: Damage Kataral. Bailey's there with the tag champs, Dakota, Kaio, Sky. Um, She complains about not being in the chamber match. Says today's family day in Canada. So I'll be spending it with my family, Damage Kataral. And she talks about her love for Kai and Sky. Says uh, you don't love them like I do because they're booing them. Um, And she asks them how it feels to be the greatest women's tag team champions of all time. 100 days or whatever it is. Kai says, "Look, you know you got us to this point, Bailey. Um, we've been on every show, we've been it and we'll continue to to do so." Here comes Becky Lynch. Um, she talks about it. Uh, the titles are getting dusty. It's been that long since she bloody defended them. Um, you don't just get to coast to WrestleMania. I want to take those titles into WrestleMania. Uh, and Bailey's like, "You haven't got any friends? Who are you going to tag with?" And Becky says, "I did have Who one. Could it be pe- <laughs> Becky has one person in mind?" Uh, and here comes Lita. Meanwhile, Trish Stratus is sat around in catering, according to reports. No idea what's going on there. Um, Bailey, I did like Bailey being so furious at this, but also saying, use the fucking door if you're going to interrupt properly. Um, Bailey says, you don't even work here anymore. Um, and you fought the last time you were in a ring together. And Becky's like, yeah, yeah, we got over it, basically. Lita wants another title run. She can't get it from Becky. Then maybe she could work with Becky to get a tag team title run. Basically, it's an official challenge to Dakota Kai and Io Sky. Uh, Bailey's like, you haven't earned a, a match, so they read off their Wikipedia page, and uh, Lita says, "The greatest tag team would want to prove it." Um, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah. Do you want to? De- don't you want to defend your titles? What are you scared?" And this baits Bailey in, and she accepts on behalf of the tag champs, uh, and then they pay homage to the great pre-WrestleMania angle where Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar had a push-and-pull contest, grabbing the title off each other. So Becky and Leah steal the titles and hold them up and pose with them and then give them back, and there's a stare down to close this god-awful segment.
3: Oh, my God, this was excruciating. The dialogue was terrible. The direction was inevitable. If it's bad enough watching Chris Jericho and AEW in 2023, it's significantly worse watching a Chris Jericho segment where the heel has to be an asshole <laughs> and It does get that being outsmarted. Oh, I can see a million miles away where this is going. I've seen it one million times. This is delivered in a piss poor way. Bailey's the worst. In 2015, did I ever want to think that Bailey was the worst? It was almost a decade ago, Brooklyn.
2: You know that? Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. Nearly a decade ago. Seeing the pictures of them together, I think in like eight years. I thought of because i always think of bailey and sasha in brooklyn as being very much like austin brett at wrestlemania for what that was for all of the WWE. yeah this yeah. was for certainly women's wrestling in WWE. and like eight years after that match you were seeing brett and austin like when austin was inducting brett in the hall of fame and then you were seeing bailey and sasha together at the weekend yeah and they're both still active and like it's things are looking like looking up for many but the world should be their oyster in the way it was brett and austin's after that match and. Uh,
1: I know you got something you want to say about what came next. Anybody, um, you want to say anything about this? Sorry, I realized
2: it's um it's heartbreaking for Amflit. I don't like saying this, you know. Like Jim and Tim was actually first seen in the office. Like I, uh, I manifest Damage Qatar breaking up. I talk about Damage Qatar breaking up, and I'm boring myself talking about it. That's where I'm at with this whole thing. Maybe it'll happen next week, and maybe that's why the Trish thing was dropped. Hmm. Bailey accepted. Yes, and they're going to lose, and Becky and Lita are going to fight Shane and Ronda. Which then begs the question, why didn't you just do Becky and Ronda on the undercard? If you really didn't believe it could be a main event, at least just hire it out there as a singles. If you're going to get back to a tag anyway, because you've got an out for Becky Lynch, probably just should have kept course.
1: Um, I know you want to talk about what came next. Because Byron Saxton is trying to interview Candice LeRae about Johnny Gargano. Oh, God. And Nikki Cross is scampering backstage. And Candice's fed up. She wants answers. What's going on here? So Nikki Cross, embarrassed, whispers, the answer to Candice LeRae. and Baron's like, What's all that about? And Candice LeRae says, Oh, she's just sad, all her friends are gone and she's lonely.
3: Oh, oh my god, <laughs> they cannot book baby faces to save their life. This company is so innately horrible that it just bleeds into everything they do on screen. First of all, Candice, just defined by a man. Uh, there's something going on in your terrible career yeah. your terrible nothing happening career where you just win some you lose some you just exist You getting just, back like
2: six months after having a kid you're just I, a wrestler
3: <laughs> you're just a wrestler who sometimes loses you do nothing of importance you're out the tag team title picture already did you ever get a match? I uh, don't think
2: so Aaron, and Meachin. that was
3: meant to happen at one point wasn't it? yeah they couldn't find
2: their arse with both hands the pair of them so. and now they're just
3: not related in the storylines yeah. yeah yeah it's all gone it's all dead nothing where you do matters what about your bloke?
1: <laughs> what about
3: your bloke? And then she's going to happily answer questions about a fella. And then she sees Nikki and says, like, oh, I've had enough of this. Right, okay. And then she asks her, in front of the, in, in front of the camera, right, Nikki Cross confides in Candice Luray about what her problem is. And it turns out, you know, she's not trying to torment her or be a mischievous imp and unsettle her and do creepy things. She's just, you know, a bit adrift, hmm. spiritually adrift without a mate. She tells her this in confidence, and I know it's in confidence because she whispers in Candace's ear, and then Candace, like an arsehole of a baby face, <laughs> just volunteers this information about Nikki when she clearly didn't want it to be out said out loud. Don't say on TV then. Say I'll meet after the show and tell you, but regardless, it's all stupid. It's all terrible. She just volunteers the information and just betrays this person's confidence, and Candace is meant to be the baby face. Triple H deserves to get sacked,
2: and Paul Haven <laughs> should just take the book. Are they like? I don't know. This is Galaxy Brain. Are they doing an undercard program of Gargano and Loomis versus frigging Sanity? Like oh, f- that, this was a this was a ta- Sanity tease where it was sent to yeah. This is what it was like. You were told to think about here. Yeah,
1: because that's what you want after Johnny Gargano putting like, that performance in the chamber. I tell you what, he needs to do, get back. Did, to get back with Dexter Loomis? Didn't
2: Eric Young l- get killed off an Impact or have a? Yeah, he was murdered an Impact, but that's. They've killed people in Impact before. It's kind of like it verges on Lucha Underground in what you can get away with in Impact and then bring people back from the dead in other shows. But Eric Young was rumoured to be on his way back and there was all the sanity seizures. Certainly you were told to consider that here. I don't want to watch that.
3: They were never over. What's Triple H doing for like the 14th time? (laughs) An NXT act that never really got over. You know what what this needs? Four years past, it's never Prime. (laughs) It's to be on Fox. What? He's
1: finished. He's absolutely finished, and Paul Heyman's the best thing about this program. Uh, What came next was awesome, though. It was a three-minute match, but it kicked ass. kicked Mm ass. Bronson Reed versus Chad Gable. Um, Guys, I'll take. Chad Gable, quite a good wrestler.
2: I got a tweet if I were you. Yeah?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to get numbers. You're in front of folk there. Uh, Standing avalanche immediately from uh, Bronson Reed. Gable rolls out the ring, so Reed comes flying off the apron with a shoulder block, um, and there's another tease, a little stare down between Otis and Bronson Reed. They head back into the ring, Gable gets him with an ankle lock. Reed kicks him off. Uppercuts from Gable. Um, Reed clubs him, blocks the German suplex because it'd be ridiculous for Chad Gable to be able to German suplex.
3: Really, I don't know how they built this in three minutes, but Gable's a genius.
1: Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Gable knocks him down with a clothesline, goes up top, diving headbutt, only one count. Um, and then who should appear on the floor but Maxime Dupre. Oui, oui. And she's here looking at uh, Otis and uh, giving him a card. And uh, Gable oh geez, hits Bronson Reed with a bridging German suplex out of the corner.
4: Oh, my God. Oh,
1: my God. That gets him a Grade
3: two. Great <laughs> been a while, is not it? Someone requested it on uh, air. <laughs> I forgot the name of the person, so I apologize. But that tweet had great final mails. Uh, but again, Actually, it's gone a bit wrong there. I'll, I'll perfect it. I'm going to bring it back. And I'm going to get it right.
1: I'm going to my preview. I'll do it whenever I want. Oh, okay. It sounded like... Well, I needed people to listen to that. That's what Oh, yeah, 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 So definitely, that, listen, we'll yeah. do it on that one along with others potentially.
2: That version of Sage had a really good 2019. God damn it, Jim Ross really misses great fundamentals on yeah, yeah. Dynamite. Like grip. Mournful. Yeah. Where <laughs> <laughs> explain to me what a fundamental. gone. Why, why are they hugging?
1: <laughs> oh, the basketball. Well, he's not happy about the basketball stuff I'm around. Oh, gotta grab the
2: rack.
3: <laughs> Just leave if you don't like it. No one's forcing you to do
2: this, Jim. Jim, have you ever um, hired a wrestler that has ever played American football? Has never ever come up?
1: Anyway, Gable, just like us, has got distracted uh, by Maxine Dupree. Um, so. Bill Watts
3: told me that uh, you can make uh, a lot of money with an athletic big man.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Uncle, Thanks, Jim. Uncle Howdy was an All-American, Seton Hall Summit.
1: Corner splash and read, Ripcord power slam, tsunami, one, two, three. Great match.
2: Great matchmaking. JK is ready to break out. <laughs> <laughs> is, he, is he Jim? I don't think he is. He's a contract season and he's getting me a bit off the top for all time's sake. Yeah, brilliant match. Great matchmaking. Perfect perfect booking of this match. Like, why not do it as a sprint? There's no story, nor could Bronson Reed or like Chad Gable could, but Bronson Reed couldn't in a backstage vignette. And it existed for the maximum model stuff. This is how you do it. If a match has to exist for the benefit of something else, just make it kick ass and not have it... Don't overstay welcome. its welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect.
1: The main event time. Nope, way off yet. Uh, way off. It's 25. Yeah, yeah, honestly, do you do the Jim Rossings? I'm like, well, okay, I guess we're going a bit longer then. Elias is in the ring. He's got a message for Rick... Boogs! I like, like the fact that Elias said, take notes, Rick Boogs. And <laughs> we got back to Rick Boogs is shooting <laughs> <your notes. laughs> Uh, there's no bigger star than Elias uh, who wants to walk and talk with Elias uh, it's probably not actually. me anymore <laughs>
2: comes <laughs> did out did I ever want to do it no I preferred his brother
4: yeah where's his
1: brother gone
2: I preferred everybody else not Photoshop other than yes. Elias
1: uh, he hits a spear hurt lock gets uh, gets on the mic says everyone's got a plan so they get put in the hurt lock Lesnar panicked. He had to use a low blow. Nobody can break it. Not Lesnar, not Wyatt, not Elias. Issues a warning to everyone in the back.
3: He's he just built the worst fatal four-way match of all time?
1: What, with Howdy and Bray And Elias. <laughs> <laughs>
3: what is going on here? It's trash. It's trash. Uh, Triple ju- H sucks. I can't stress that enough.
1: <coughs> just before the main event, Byron Saxon's chatting with Edge. Um, he's happy that he's put um, that group, uh, what they called...
4: I'm in the, the f***ing judgment day. Yeah. Uh,
1: he's, he's glad they're behind him. I <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't bet on it. Um, it. Says, Beth Phoenix is back home. Now I can focus on the goals that I set when I first came back. And he talks about theories forever rain. Nothing's forever. I know firsthand how quickly things can be taken away. I can't wait to knock the duck face off that. Looks overly manscaped head. He said he'd been without a title for a while. He knows his time is running out. But in 1997, he had his second match ever for WWE, right here in this building. He's not performed here for 18 years. And it feels pretty bloody good to win the US title here and carry it into WrestleMania. Never say
2: never. That was the Raw after the Montreal screw job. And Edge and Christian were on their second of, I think, three tryouts in Canada markets that Brett the Hitman Hart set them up with. F*** you, Triple H, forever. You... Asshole. Then it's time for us. I swear to God all you want, Hunter. Because one of these days, God's going to strike you down. Couldn't look her in the eyes, could he? Not
3: because he's an absolute feeble man. <laughs> a feeble snake of a man with no cock and a banana nose. No cock. <laughs> it's oh. in the wrong place, actually. <laughs>
1: Austin Theory versus Edge for the United States Championship. And bloody hell, Edge rolled back the years here. Um, out wrestling Theory early on. Um, theory uh, comes back, hits a rolling drop kick. That takes us to our final break. When we come back, uh, Ed Theory hits a, or goes for a superplex. Edge drops him, though, and hits a flying crossbody to his back. Uh, Follows it up Clotheslines Flapjack edge o Gets a two count Theory goes for the Rolling Dropkick again But Edge brilliantly Just snatches him out In the air And hits him with a Powerbomb for a two count Goes for a spear But Theory leaps over on it Theory goes for a monkey flip And Edge Turns into prime Keith Lee And just completely Perfectly lay- lands on his feet Edge rules Oh my god <laughs> yeah. Uh, Edge put him in a cross face but Theory gets to the ropes Theory tries for a cover with his feet on the ropes but the ref catches him Theory goes for A-Town down but Edge brilliantly reverses into an education DDT for a, another near fall um, he's setting up for a spear but who runs down to ringside but Finn Ballery clobbers him off the ring apron Theory tries to uh, schoolboy him Edge manages to get out of it but he falls into the ropes um, sorry no Theory tries to catch Edge. Edge reverses into a schoolboy. Theory kicks out. That sends Edge into the ropes. And whilst the referee's distracted, Balor just leaps up onto the ring apron, simultaneously hitting Edge with a kick to the head. Edge turns round. A-Town down. 1-2-3 for Austin Theory, who retains the United States Championship through shenanigans again. Um, Pissing off the Canadian fans again for the second time in three days. Um, And post-match, Finn Balor... Just is in his element, just keeps coup de groin, Edge, and uh, stands over him as the the crowd boo and the show goes off the air.
2: This was absolutely brilliant. Yes. This was absolutely brilliant. Uh, Edge, wrestling as a man, I'll miss this psychology from Edge because this was what he would do that made the John Cena program so good. He would wrestle matches that were completely in character with what was going on in Edge's life that day. He is a man that said in the interview and said in the press conference that, like, Done and dusted with the judgment day. Feels great. I've never felt freer. Like, I've had this monkey, like, I've finally got off my back. And here we go. Like, you're going to get the edge of old for the night. Like, the guy that wrestled uh, 18 years ago is actually here tonight in Ottawa. And he does it. Like, Austin Theory is not ready for the backwards leapfrog, for the backflip, for the crossbody to the back. He's like, Jesus Christ, I thought I had this, like, really moody sod from the last couple of years. And I've got the guy with all the experience of the moody sod and the athletic ability of the guy from 20 years ago. Like the psychology of this was vintage Edge, who was like underrated at putting those TLC matches together. Couldn't have loved the construction of this more, but the performance was as good. Like Edge had to level up to his own idea. Gave Austin Theory easily one of his best ever singles matches. Easily. There's a Rollins one that will be remembered as good oh, as yeah. this. This is Yeah.
3: Rare. This is Theory's best match by a million miles. It had it? so
2: much more character to it, didn't it? This one did. And like your point yes. about the losing in Canada. It
3: wasn't like a less good version of a work rate match.
2: Yeah. This is really good. Like, your point about it, like, being in Canada, never once scanned as trolling the audience. It scanned as, oh, my God, Austin Theory's got a big win against a big star. He's actually got some rub, and that never almost works. Edge was, like, Dustin Rhodes' legend figure good. This was AW quality booking of a legend who earnestly put somebody over, set up a really cool match that I didn't think had any heat left, and does, because Finn Balor's attack kicked ass as well. I absolutely love watching Finn Balor. I thought all of this was absolutely brilliant and I watched the press conference bit when Edge said, I'll take the match and I thought, that's cute, but it's getting eight minutes and no finish for the setup. No, presented as a inch perfect raw main event. Loved it. This was fantastic. The best thing I've ever seen Austin Theory involved with
3: and just because I can pay off a story unlike Triple H, okay? (laughs) To pay off what I said at the start of the podcast where there was something on the show that made me feel like Michael Hamflit in a good way, right? Michael Hamflit our esteemed colleague, that's just incurable WWE fanatic to this day. Yeah. When he should know better, and sometimes he does. At thirty, are you thirty eight yet? Thirty eight in April. Thirty in eight in April. We're all in, we're our, we're all we're 30s. in the thirties. To this day, Michael Hamlet loves it when WWE, specifically WWE, does good, clever things in the right order. That's yes. his favorite thing. He just absolutely look at him. He's buzzing off. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> yeah. Edge. In this goddamn match, put together something so beautifully elegant that I was watching, and I don't even like Edge that much anymore. <laughs> I was watching an Edge match in 2023 against Austin Theory, who I hate. And what's the film on the Bandera Skiff? Where he's going, Oh yeah. Well, you know what the Bandera Skiff yeah. is. Mwah. I was doing that during this match. <laughs> the way it all flowed together to get from sequence to spot to story beat it was just genuinely liquid professional wrestling like his positioning and how to get to one spot to the other so it felt so organic yeah it's just structurally masterful the
2: genius one Edge, wasn't he yeah he
3: was yeah christian cage sh- they are like as close as they are because they're, they're like the elite in terms of they've got a very specific way of how a match should go, and they are
2: both very good at it, and it's like signature at this point. Randy is that call it on the fly. They know exactly how the reactions are going to be, but they'll mix it up a bit in the ring, where a Savage has I don't to necessarily
3: like. think they mix it up. I just think they've got their own way yeah. of scaffolding a match. That just is great. Mm. Every counter feels organic, like a strategy, like they've planned, and just the way Edge, how he bumped off the top turnbuckle to feed for the A-Town down was just, that's how you get in position. It's like, and I love Rey Mysterio. They work towards spots in, I would describe as the anti-619 setup energy, where it always looks a bit contrived, the 619, but you kind of have to fall in that way. Like, you would never, in any other wrestling match, to facilitate that move that Rey Mysterio does. What Edge did in this match, how it just all flowed together, was just so elegant. Mm. The work of a master... This might have be been my favorite individual Edge performance. Like the triple threat of WrestleMania 37 was obviously leagues better than this, but in terms of putting some something together and just grabbing us, this was, oh, Edge is so good when he's on.
2: He's so good when he is on. So you know for a fact, Austin Theory gets backstage and he's just hugging Edge and thanking him and like he's learned so much from this one night. Every now and then you need a match that exists as an example of the core problem the likes of me and Cedric have with Randy Orton, which is loads of wrestlers come back and tell you, man, I learned so much from that guy. He just whispered in my ear, Lay out, kid. Slow down, kid. I'll, gr- I'll grab your chin again, kid, and we'll g- we'll go five more minutes doing nothing. Guys are goddamn genius. They're wrestlers. They're not thinking about how friggin' bored yeah. they are. I was not once bored in this, and Austin Theory will have the same positives to speak of Edge. Mm. They actually thought enough about how like we would engage with it, as well as how much it was good for them. Yeah. Edge is good. <laughs> yes. He is. He is Sometimes his cringeworthy promos obscure this,
1: but he is good. Assassins is the movie. Trying to work out. I've never seen it. I've just seen the
2: gif. Yeah, yeah. same. That comes up a lot with gifts now as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, I love that gif because I understand why it reacts to this context.
1: God knows where it's from. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, brilliant end to Monday Night Raw. Let us know your thoughts on the show
2: on so Twitter. So my favourite
3: Antonio Banderas film, of course, that would be a Puss in
1: Boots, The Last <laughs> yeah. Wish.
2: R-degree. I'd agree. Really good. <laughs> Let us
1: know your thoughts on Twitter, at WhatCultureWW. Well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at... Michael Hamlet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWW, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcast from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, and make sure you leave us a five-star review, review, just like Dan did earlier on, um, suggesting something short, crap and, crap, and wrestling related, either on Apple uh, on uh, uh, Apple Podcast it. or it's on not, Spotify, you can leave us a five-star review. Screenshot it. We need the proof. Uh, and then email it to me, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. We'll be here for the NXT preview a little bit later on today. But for now, it's been the Raw Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon.
4: Hold up.